Hello, welcome to Feature in a Short. This is Justin Joseph Hall, owner of Four Wind Films. And if people don't know, I'm also a colorist. This podcast is about the difference between working on a feature and a short as a colorist. This is going to be pretty technical again. This is the third uh, test in our series through COVID isolation. We're still not doing public events. So number one, the first thing that you're always going to have to do is budgeting your time and telling people how much it costs. Now, no matter what your day rate is, we're not going to talk about day rates, but I think it's important to know how long it's going to take to color a short versus a feature film. The biggest difference is you need to know if you're onlining the material. Where are you taking the handoff point from the editor if you're not editing the film? Is somebody going to set it up in Resolve or wherever you're coloring it? Or do you have to reconnect everything and make sure that it's in the program that you're going to? Or are you going to have an assistant editor who knows how to do those things? Also, in the final deliverables, are you the final online editor? A lot of times nowadays, most colorists are the final online editor and you might have an export by somebody else. But for the most part, you're doing the round tripping. You're making sure that there is a video file that is ready to be exported with the high quality color correction footage through the whole timeline. And so if you are doing that, you have to be responsible for the renders and exports. If they have an assistant editor or some other technician, an online editor that is doing that, then you don't include that in your time. But these are things that you should talk about with whoever you're working for. This is a much bigger thing with feature films because it takes a long time to double check, triple check quality control of your exports. If it's a three hour film, you got to know that you're going to watch those three hours likely two to three times once you're done. How many days is that going to take you? There's always errors in onlining and often in exports, especially when you're doing like 4K exports or exports with uh, alpha channels and non-alpha channels and all of these things. The most recent thing that I bid out was something with a lot of special effects, animation mixed with real live action video. And so that takes a different skill set and a different planning in order to check the exports in the end. So that's number one. I think that's the biggest difference between features and shorts is knowing how much time the online takes, where you're taking the starting point from as a colorist, because it varies from, from place to place. So usually that's just one long string out file. I think that's the most common delivery. I like doing round tripping, making sure that we have clips with handles so that they can use those two second handles to cut trailers and stuff. But that takes more time to do. So you have to be confident in doing that workflow and it's not part of coloring. It's, um, you know, more technical exports. So the other thing that when you're looking at stuff, you have to look at how many looks and setups you have to create. Like one of the biggest things is does the footage match? Did you have a good DP shooting this? Because otherwise you're just going to spend a lot of time balancing, especially when you have two cameras that were similar or put in different color spaces or different color temperatures. That takes a lot more time to just match it than having a good cinematographer. And you should tell the people once you get the project, like why it takes more time if the shots aren't matching. Yes, you can make them match. However, it's not going to look as good in the end. And Paying for a better cinematographer will save you money once you come to the colorist, okay? Uh, Lay out your revision rules. You have to say, like, I expect to bring this in. I'm going to match these. I'm going to do a day or two of creating a look and, you know, three days to do the actual color. And it's going to take me two days to bring it out and it's going to be a week, okay? So if they do not online everything, they say they're going to online everything and it doesn't come in, 
you have to say, I'm going to have to charge extra time for the time that I have to bring it online. And like I said, this is way more important for feature films just because it's a longer process and there can be more mess ups. And you should say that before you start working on any of this stuff, because you likely as a colorist are earning a lot more money than an assistant editor or even an editor because of the equipment involved with what you're doing. So before you start doing anything, you should always communicate, especially when there's a limited budget for something. And shorts are even tighter budgets. I would say there's less leeway. You should also ask about exports. Are you exporting in 4K or UHD? Are you exporting to Apple ProRes? I mean, the two codecs that I usually do are Apple ProRes 4x4, and I try to do the maximum bit rate, at least 10-bit, or TNX HD, like 220X, or TNX HR if you're doing 4K footage. You always want to do maximum quality. I mean, what you're creating is the archive of the film, and that's your job as a colorist. I recommend doing an upsell as a colorist. A lot of people shoot in 4K and they do an export for HD because it's for television. Now, it usually only takes about one to two extra days to export even a full feature film for a higher resolution. Because what you can always do is do the higher resolution and then down-res the higher resolution to HD. But that way you have both versions. In this way, you have proved yourself if they ever want to put out something 4K quality, whether it's a trailer or the entire film again, they're going to have that. They might not realize it now, but in the future, you know, they'll be like, oh, we should have just finished that in 4K. It really doesn't take that much time if you know what you're doing. The biggest problem I've had, computers overheat. But you can fix that by, number one, doing the shorter renders, not rendering the whole 80 minutes at a single time, or do it by clip which is what I like to do, and then that way you can have the handles. So I always suggest going higher, especially for a short. There's no reason why you can't export a short at UHD. It's not going to take that much longer for a computer. And if you don't have a powerful enough computer to export those things, if you're always working on a laptop, if you want to be a colorist, you should upgrade and be able to do those exports and be able to get a computer that cools itself. I have an issue. I have one of the first Mac Pros, and it overheats a lot but I can still render everything. I just have to turn on the air conditioner during the summer months and make sure the computer is cool. And there's a program called iStat that you can put on your computer that uh, monitors the level of temperature. I mean, I have it mine in Celsius, so I think it can get up to about 63 to 65 before it slows down. That's in Celsius. That's that. You know, once you figure all that out, the budgeting and everything and what your exports are going to be, you want to know which program you can use. So I started out using Apple's Color. That was what Old Brother Art Thou was colored on. It worked great, but now it's obsolete. It was part of the Final Cut Pro 7 program suite. There's another one that we finish on in Axios. It's called Nucoda. That one is great. You can get some amazing images, and it seems to be very great to work with. Premiere, it used to be Speed Grade. I think they did Gone Girl on Speed Grade. So again, all of these programs can be used for a professional movie. They're all great. The industry standard, though, which I think most films are colored on, is DaVinci Resolve. The tracking is so fast. The playback is amazing. It has uprising capabilities and the denoising, which almost every program does. But those are the four that I kind of know. And like I said, Apple Color is obsolete. I don't even know if you can install it on computers anymore. Premiere is okay. The secondaries are a lot more annoying. SpeedGrade went into Premiere, and they don't really have a separate program for it, so it's not as specialized anymore. So if I need to do something quick, I did Akini and Avon for my friend Beth Chatelaine. I did that in Premiere because it was one shot and the budget didn't call for doing a lot of secondaries or tracking or anything like that. So it was just a primary and, you know, it's got good basic color correction stuff. So I use that for really quick turnaround, maybe commercial stuff. 
for setting up an overall look for the project, I think the first thing you have to do is think about your color space. The clients don't know about color spaces, okay? I had been coloring before I understood color spaces. But if you don't know about color spaces, you should go to Wikipedia and read up on them. So 709 is the broadcast standard for HD, and it's the safest short-term solution that a lot of people will still color in. However, if you color in that space, you're missing a lot of colors that are available with TVs nowadays. Projectors and film festivals uh, go through a P3 color space, and that's wider, and that's better. And it's more safe for, again, archiving for future use. Anything that's going to the film festival, whether it's a feature or a short or whatever, I highly suggest coloring in the, at least the P3 color space. Rec 2020 is the international standard for UHD, and it's supposed to be for broadcast. However, HDR10 Media Profile uses a wide gamut Rec 2020 color space, and I'd suggest using this in most cases. You might want to stick with 709 just because you will see color shifts. Once you go to an H.264 codec, if you're a consumer, you're not going to notice that much as long as you focus on the skin tones. Skin tones are the most important thing. If you're very precise with those from scene to scene, you're going to be fine with those color shifts if somebody would put your work online. In my opinion, some people would argue, no, you should color in the final thing that you're going to, but almost never can you color in multiple color spaces unless you're working for Criterion and uprising something that's already been done or something like that. Depending on how I'm receiving the film, I'll always read the script or watch whatever they give me. Then I step away from the computer, close my eyes, and I think, what colors do I see? Where do I want to push this world? Is it just a natural color space? Like we're really trying to emulate a documentary or a look of a time period. I really like the looks of the 1970s and the 1950s. They would have film stocks that really limited what certain colors look like. I mean, if you think Young Girls of Rochefort, you know, that's very bright, contrasty, but it has that 1970s sort of film look with Technicolor, where it's pushing reds to a very specific red, and that depended on the film stock. I like that idea and I think it's nostalgic. So I, I've closed my eyes and I picture, oh, what are we pushing it towards? If you think of something modern like Ozark, they always have like a natural blue tint over everything. It always feels like evening or early morning. You can push it a certain direction. Like if you look at Handful of Glass that I've done, looks more like an old vintage look where I desaturate the skin tones, really pop those blues and push it towards like a lighter blue, a sky blue kind of general look. Get to know the mood and feeling of the story. Close your eyes and envision how you want it to look. Then go make it look like that. Often I'll practice on raw steel set photos. Like, do I want the entire film to really desaturate the skin tones? Maybe. Maybe it's just a certain scene. Maybe it's just these combinations of scenes. Maybe I really always want to have this really deep black. So then I'll take a curve and put down all of the black so that there is a really deep, dark black almost like a crushed black kind of thing. I don't like to actually crush blacks or blow out any whites, but you might want to do that too. In prologue, we start out with a look that is very late at night or very early in the morning, and my luminance only goes up to about 50%. That's really, really low. Usually, you know, outside you go up to 100%, inside maybe 70 to 90, depending on the show. Sitcoms might do a wider range of contrast just to make it more cheery all the time. But you kind of want to think of it separately, not just as color, but also as luminance and how you want to create looks for each room. I like to group scenes that um, sort of have the same mood and tone. As you read a story, you kind of see the same characters. You go back to the same place. You go back to the same place with a different mood or different characters there, different time of the day. So you want to think about how you can group those scenes in your mind and maybe create looks for those kinds of scenes. 
Okay, so after you group those scenes in your head, what I would do is create a node or node tree to apply to the entire timeline in Resolve. I'm going to be talking mostly about Resolve because that's my favorite program to use in. When I create a look for a room, I will lock a node, then I'll copy the thumbnail for that specific clip that I made the look for. I always like to have the denoising clip, then I have a primary node and balance the entire timeline. And then I'll start going to secondaries, which are not locked nodes, and then a final output for the final rebalancing and look for the scene. So I usually will balance all the blacks, balance all the whites, put the skin tones near the skin tone line. And, you know, for outside, I go 0 to 100 for luminance. And for inside, I go somewhere from around 0 to 80 for normal scenes. Me or an assistant will go through the timeline and do all of these. Then I would apply the node tree for each scene. On a short, I'll do one day to online, half a day to do exports. And for a feature, I would do three days to online and two days for an export and to check it. Something like that. Just to be safe, you should always give yourself leeway time on both of those categories. One day every 10 minutes. But a lot of times they want to do it fast, especially with documentaries. You get about one day for every 20 minutes. And that's doable. It's doing things really fast. And I kind of think it's one day for 20 minutes for balancing everything. And then if you want to do and make it look really beautiful and do secondaries and adjust skin tone specifically, make faces pop, make eyes sharpened, or create beautiful sunsets, or make the blown out window look a little more stylized or something like that, then I would also go about one day for every 10 or 20 minutes after that. For the most part, the coloring part is the same for features and shorts. That's not a, that big of a difference. After you get everything balanced and you have the look for the rooms, you could be done. But with the really great movies, you get time to do all the secondaries and make everything that you want to look amazing. I would upsell that as much as you can. I think a lot of the color correction is telling people what you can do in a little bit more time. Even people who have been making movies for a long time, they like to speed through the color correction and just make it look balanced. But spend the extra hour one night to make, you know, like one scene look way better that you know you can improve the most. Do it for free the first time and they're going to ask you to do it the next time that they ask you to work for them again. You can do that a lot more in bigger projects on feature films. On shorts, a lot of times, you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room for time. Then you do the final output, just kind of double check it, watch everything down again. Then you're going to export the clips however you want, the whole timeline at once, do it in sections. I recommend highly doing it in sections. And then after you export everything out, if you export by clips and put two second handles, then you're also going to need to export an XML. And for shorts, you should always round trip it with shorts. It's great practice. It sets you far ahead for anything else. And I think it's the best way to preserve a film. And then you should export the project. In Resolve, you should get a DRP file, preserve the XML from your project as well, in case you ever have to go back to it again. Save the still somewhere. Don't just leave it in one spot on the computer. Be a smart archivist. I think that your job is also as an archivist, as a colorist. After you have everything exported, you have your final clips, you should watch down your exports. And uh, after you do that, look for render errors. I mean, I almost always see one or two clips that want to change. Sometimes you can't, depending on how fast you go. But it's good to do quality control. Obviously, you're going to be doing that with the director, sometimes the editor, sometimes producers, sometimes executive producers, whoever else is going to help you uh, watch down stuff. So then you're done with the project. That's it. So if you guys have any questions for that, just write me at justin.joseph.hall at fourwindfilms.com or just add us on social media at fourwindfilms. That is at F-O-U-R-W-I-N-D-F-I-L-M-S. 
And for the forecast to look forward to, we have more great news about Prologue. Prologue will be playing at the Lake County Film Festival and A Night of Misfit Films in November. And that is just going to be online, a local streaming that will be available in the state of Illinois in the U.S. and Wisconsin. And then A Night of Misfit Films is a live event that will be held somewhere near Phoenix at the end of November, Thanksgiving Friday. So that's it. Thank you for listening. I uh, want to thank Brian Trahan for editing this and mixing it. Kevin McLeod for the theme song that you're hearing right now. And all other music is by Brian Trahan as well. So thank you very much. And I'll talk at you soon again. 